Welcome back to But You Don't Look Sick, episode two. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode with my guest, Dr. Jen Simmons. She is a breast cancer surgeon turned functional medicine doctor, and her insight is simply incredible. I think this episode will really resonate with so many of you, and it doesn't have to be on a breast cancer level or even a cancer level in general. It just has to do with overall health and how we think about health. So many takeaways in our conversation, so I really hope you enjoy. All right. I'm so happy to have Dr. Jen Simmons on the podcast today. So welcome, Jen. I love following your Instagram and all of the information that you're putting out. And I think it's so beneficial not only to people diagnosed with breast cancer, overcoming breast cancer, but to everyone um, that is that is looking for ways to take control of their health. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, you have such an inspiring story, not only personally, but also professionally. And I would love to dive more into that um, if you would like to share. Absolutely. Um, so I actually come from a breast cancer family um, right. and uh, a big family where a lot of the women had breast cancer, but most notably was my first cousin, Linda Creed. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She was a singer-songwriter in the 1970s, and she wrote all the music for the spinners and the stylistics and was kind of like the the voice behind that Motown sound. Oh, and wow. Went, yeah. And she was just this beautiful woman, larger than life, and just had this... I mean, seemingly fantasy life where my sister and I like would go visit her at her house in LA and she had the, uh, uh, a backyard the size of a football field and we were just <laughs> by all of that, right? Mm-hmm. And her songs were on the radio and it was just, you know, we, we, we were related to a celebrity. And um, Linda's most famous song Uh, was written in 1973, but actually made famous by Whitney Houston in 1984. And that was the greatest love of all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And (laughs) Linda, unfortunately, never got to see that that song spent 14 weeks at number one because Linda died of metastatic breast cancer in April of... um, of 1994, I, or, I'm sorry, of 1984, and mm-hmm. he had released it in March of 1984. So oh. Linda never get to know that. And so, you know, my, my childhood for all intents and purposes, I was 16 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. My childhood was marked by breast cancer. I mean, it's yeah. just, it was, it had such a profound effect on me so much so that you know, as I grew up and became an adult and went to medical school and I, I became a breast surgeon because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we all we all tend to navigate towards trying to fix what we couldn't. Right. Yes. I, couldn't, I couldn't help Linda then. So I was going to spend the rest of my career fixing that. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, the most logical way to do that is is to be a breast surgeon. And so mm-hmm. that that's what I did. 
And I spent 17 years there, but in my 15th year of practice, I got sick. Now, I did not get breast cancer, but I got something called Graves' disease, and I wow. off. That is treated exactly the same way that breast cancer is treated. So it's treated with surgery, radiation, and chemotherapeutic drugs. Yes. So I, when I was diagnosed, it was like I was having this out-of-body experience as mm-hmm. I think most cancer professionals, like they, they wait for a day like this and say like, what would I do? Right. What we tell everyone else to do, but what would I do? Mm-hmm. When I looked inside, I, something just gave me pause, gave me hesitancy. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I somehow felt that those treatments were not right for me. And this is coming from a person that, like, I thought I was doing everything right. Right. Well, wait, I was exercising. I was in a happy marriage, two beautiful children. Like, I, I thought I had a, this amazing, rewarding career. Mm-hmm. Aside from maybe working too much and burning my candle at both ends, like, I thought I was doing everything right. So how could this happen? And so I did what I tell all of my patients not to do. And I went to Dr. Google. (laughs) Right? Oh, good old Dr. Google. Yeah, exactly. But I I somehow felt entitled to do that because I said, oh, well, you know, I'm armed with knowledge. I can can interpret these things and take them for what they really are. Mm -hmm. But amazingly enough, like these these themes kept coming up again, diet, 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 diet. And as a traditionally trained physician, because I went to one of the finest medical schools in the country, did a a residency, did a fellowship at respected institutions. Like I, I was no slouch. Right. And we were not taught about food, its relationship to health, it just was not taught in medical school, in residency, and anywhere. It's just not, it's not given any value. Right. So as a traditionally trained physician, I struggled. Like, if diet was important, why wouldn't that have been taught to me? Yes. And I thought I was eating healthy because I didn't know any better, because I didn't have the knowledge. So yep. I think, you know, if there's, where there's smoke, there's fire, And there must be something to this. And Mm -hmm. so I decided to pursue more education. I knew I could always have my thyroid gland out, but I was going to buy myself some time and try to do some research, get some more education, both to heal myself, but to, you know, be a better version of me since, you know, that's what we're all after, right? We we want to continue to grow because... When we stop growing, we, we die. Yeah. So I, I, in this discovery process, learned about functional medicine. And mm-hmm. I remember listening to Mark Hyman speak. Does that name mean anything to you? I ha- um, absolutely. Not only do I own his books, but he is somebody who changed a lot of my course of life through my journey through cancer and also led me very heavily into pursuing a doctor in functional medicine alongside my oncologist because 
I thought the exact same thing. I said I was, I was consuming his content and I thought I was eating very clean because I would, I start, I did whole 30 when I was pregnant with my fourth child. And because I was just losing energy, but I was also, I was like, I need to something, I need something new. I lived in Alaska. So I wasn't getting very much vitamin D. Um, my husband's in the military. He was gone a lot. I was looking to throw my energy into something. And I saw, I was like, Oh, I could do whole 30. That's going to occupy my time. I love to cook. This is kind of like a new challenge. Um, but I started eating that way for a while and still continued to eat that way. But going through treatment, I had to alter some things, um, because my stomach just couldn't take certain things through chemotherapy and radiation and whatnot. But he broke it down in such a way that it just made sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's exactly, you know, I come back to this all the time that, and I tell my patients this, if what I'm saying doesn't make sense to you, it's wrong Mm -hmm. because it is logical. What you're doing doesn't make sense. It's wrong. It Mm -hmm. may not be universally wrong, but it may be wrong for you. Right. Right. Uh, because we're all bio-individual and what works for me doesn't work for you and vice versa. But I learned, and I'm so glad that you know about Mark Hyman because he is mm-hmm. just, I mean, to me, he walks on water. Yeah. Um, and so I learned about Mark Hyman and I remember hearing him speak. And this is probably like in 2015. So I listen, I'm, I'm listening to him talk and he's talking about functional medicine and I'm sitting there thinking, functional medicine? What the hell is functional medicine? I never heard of functional medicine, right? And so it doesn't make any sense. And yeah. if this were a real thing, like, why wouldn't I know about it? Mm-hmm. And it is just so funny how the, the traditional medical system, they just like learn what they learn in medical school and then they put their head down. It's mm-hmm. like where thinking stops. And so I discovered this whole world in one hour of listening to him speak. And I walked away from that one talk saying, oh, my God, this makes so much sense for me to heal myself because, you know, God wouldn't give me a thyroid gland if he wanted it removed. Like, that's what I kept coming back to. Like, there has to be some way to repair and reverse this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once I did that, and it was not an overnight fix, right? I mean, it took me three years. Wow. Um, And that's one of the primary differences between functional medicine and traditional medicine is that traditional medicine is about the quick fix, Yes. It's do the pill. It's do the surgery. It's, it's, you know, fix it quick. And traditional medicine has no patience and functional medicine realizes that it can, it can all be fixed, but it's not going to be fixed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It took a long time to get to the degree of dysfunction where you carry a diagnosis a diagnosis means that the that whatever system that is has failed. Right. And so it takes a long time to restore health to a system that has failed. Mm-hmm. But that 
it can be done. And I say this to everyone who comes in my door. I don't know how long it's going to take, but there's nothing that makes me think that you cannot heal. There are so many people that are they that they are very conflicted when it comes to cancer treatments um, because, you know, when I was first diagnosed, I I didn't know I I don't have a history of breast cancer in my family. Um, to be diagnosed at 30 years old was just so incredibly shocking with no genetic links, with nothing. And I definitely was like, just cut it out. Like whatever it is, like, please just cut it out of me. I was, I was so scared. I had four small children. Um, I don't, I don't really think that I even thought about a different option. You know, I just thought cancer is aggressive. Like, when do we get to, when do we get to start killing it is, was my only thought. And, And, um, I don't think you should have considered a different option, right? Because at that point, you're in crisis mode, right? right okay. got, the, the tumor is growing well beyond what your immune system can do. Okay. And at that point, you just need to get to some, to some solid ground, right? Okay. So okay. I do not discourage traditional cancer treatments. Mm-hmm. But what I say is that that's just the beginning. Yes. Yes. Because what... Once the cancer is removed, that's fine. But unless you remove the reason why the cancer is there in the first place, mm-hmm. it's like mopping up the floor when the sink is overflowing. Yes. So for, for lack of a better word, like you have to unclog that sink unless, unless and that's your why, right? So the, the clogged sink is your why. And it's so important for everyone to figure out their why because unless you do that, what is stopping the cancer from coming back? Coming what, back, yeah. From developing metastatic disease, or quite frankly, most women who carry a breast cancer diagnosis don't die of breast cancer. They die of heart disease. Yes. Because same process, the same underlying inflammation that leads to breast cancer, that leads to heart disease. You broke up the process when you hit critical mass in the breast, but the rest of the, you know, if you think about, if you think about these diseases and Mm -hmm. these different organs as buckets out in a rainstorm, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the rain are all the toxins that come in in all different ways. I mean, you can have toxic relationships, you can have heavy metals in your water, you can have you know, unhealthy food, you, you, the toxins come into us by stress, all different ways, trauma. And our buckets are of different size according to how sensitive that organ is to toxins. Yeah. So when you're out in it, when the, when the toxins are coming down, the breast is a pretty small bucket. So that mm-hmm. gets filled up and you can empty it out by cutting out the tumor and start your clock over again. But then the rest of the buckets are still filling. Yes, exactly. Unless you stop the rain, the rest of the buckets are still filling. And the thing that people don't realize is that, yes, those cancer treatments, the surgery, the radiation, the chemotherapy, they treat the cancer, but they Mm -hmm. don't do anything to affect the process that's happening in the rest of the body. Yeah. And it's the health of the system that ends up being the important thing. Yeah. 
So yes, you need all of those, those traditional treatments because you are in crisis. Mm -hmm. But again, it's just the start. Right. No, there's so, and I wish that more, and like you said, though, that doctors are not trained in nutrition um, and they're not trained in the elements of functional medicine. They're trained in that specialty and they are there to treat the problem. Um, they're not necessarily there to get to the reason that the problem occurred because you're in their office for that specific reason. And so they are there to help the immediate problem. And I remember in just so many instances, you know, my body reacted, um, so, so weird to chemotherapy. I had so many drug eruptions that came out in my skin and then it was like, we were hitting it with an antibiotic and then we were hitting it with a steroid. Um, and there were so many things happening and I was just sitting there like my body is freaking out because before cancer, I was very healthy. You know, um, I ate very clean. I did all these things. I was very conscious about what I was putting in my body. I wasn't as conscious to what I was putting on my body. And that definitely changed through cancer, talking to more doctors who said, um, you know, when I was put in an, in neutropenic isolation, I had an internal medicine doctor talk to me and we just, I mean, she I'll be forever grateful to her for just sitting there because I was so scared. And she took the time to just talk to me about so many things going on in life. Um, my stress obviously, which was very high, but also what, what I was eating, what I was putting on my body, what types of cleaning products I was using at home because I was having just so many reactions on my hands. Like there were so many elements and I didn't understand what she was talking about sometimes when she was saying toxins. Cause I'm like, what toxins, what toxins? Like I didn't understand the environmental factors that were playing into the responses my body was having as well. It's astounding, isn't it? Yeah. And thank God that person came to you. There is a lot of divine intervention here because most people mm -hmm. don't get that. But I also believe that that was there because you were willing and open to hearing it. Oh, I changed my whole, I mean, I remember when I got out of neutropenic isolation, um, I was so good at reading food labels and I knew what I was, you know, and, and a huge part to Dr. Mark Hyman, because it's all about he's, him talking about, if you don't know what it says on the back of your food label, you probably shouldn't be eating it. Yeah. And it made so much sense. And so that went into the products that I was using and I just went absolutely crazy in my household. What am I using on my kids? I'm starting to research more. My cancer was heavily driven by hormones. Um, and so I'm looking at up endocrine disruptors and I'm, 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 I'm starting to piece all these other things together and sitting there thinking like, what, what is the environment that I have created here? Um, not only for myself, but for my children. And I just went full force into looking up clean beauty and non-toxic products. Um, even though I know that everything is a chemical, it's the toxicity level that we are using these products at and whether or not they even should be there. And I started to really be vocal about that in, on Instagram and my blog and in, within the breast cancer community. And so many other women had the same question saying, 
yeah, why am I told not to use this kind of deodorant? Or why am I told not to put this kind of lotion on my skin? And it, it opened this world for me where I was like, okay, if I have these questions and so many other women have these questions, I need to create a place where people can go and feel safe and confident in the products that they're purchasing when their bodies are at their most, most vulnerable state during cancer treatments. And that's how I created Paris Laundry. But it was, it was because of, I had no idea that, you know, plant powered beauty would be any sort of my passion until I was, until I got out of neutropenic isolation. Mm -hmm. You can't avoid everything, right? Right. Uh, And, and the poison is in the dose. Yes. Just decreasing your toxic exposure Mm -hmm. makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if on top of it, you're able to boost your detoxification processes, well, that is exponentially better. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's really about finding the formula that's right for you. And that's that's what functional medicine is about, figuring out what works for you. Whereas, you know, the traditional medical system, and I do want to get back to you know, your point about the medical oncologist is spot on. And people need to remember that the medical oncologist's role is not to heal you. That is yes. not trained to do. That is not what they're aimed to do. Right. Their job is to give you, to get you through chemotherapy. That's yeah. their to get you through chemotherapy. And they're going to do whatever it takes to get you chemotherapy. It has nothing to do with healing you or wellness. Yes. Their job is to get you through chemotherapy and you have to back up and realize that a good, a great chemotherapy is one that works on 20 to 30% of people. Uh That means that 70 to 80% of people who get chemotherapy get absolutely no benefit from it. Wow. These are frightening statistics because if you think about all the people getting chemotherapy and the vast majority of them are getting no benefit from it, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a scary number considering all of the things that happen in the course of getting chemotherapy. Yes. No one goes through it scot-free. Oh yeah. And the residual side effects and even side effects that you know, some people don't get, and you sit there and you think, why is this happening to me? Um, but also because it's, 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 it's pure poison. And I think a lot of people, um, just like, just like you said, when you were going through, I mean, being a breast surgeon for 17 years and then, but for, you know, for 15 years, you didn't know how you would feel when you're on the other side of a diagnosis. It doesn't have to be a cancer diagnosis. It's any type of diagnosis that completely alters your life. It, it alters your way of thinking. It alters what, how you live your life. And a lot of people think that, oh, I would, I, there's no way I would do chemotherapy or there's no way I would have a bilateral mastectomy or you would think those things until it's your life on the line. And then I can promise anyone you will do whatever it takes. Right. In order to We're stay alive. Very different through that lens, without yeah. question. Very so, 
there's no fault in, you know, I feel like a lot of, um, a lot of cancer patients feel like, you know, I am poisoning my body. Yes. But this, that is the crucial time when you need to not only be working with an oncologist and your breast cancer medical team, but you also need to be seeking out alternative medicine and functional medicine that it's not going to, it, you know, the, you're nuking your system through all of these things. So yes, the healing comes when you're done with treatment and then you can actually start to put the pieces back together. But I think people think that the second they're done with chemo, when am I going to feel better again? Well, I, I will add though, that when you're going through chemotherapy, that's probably the best time to engage in functional medicine Mm -hmm. because when you combine some functional medicine techniques along with the chemotherapy. First of all, it changes the chemotherapeutic response rate to somewhere between 80 to 90%. So it, it makes the chemotherapy far more effective. Mm-hmm. Also lessens the side effects of chemotherapy because there are ways to eat There are ways to, there are things that you can do from a lifestyle perspective, from from an integrative therapy perspective that makes the chemotherapy more effective on the cancer cells and have far less effect on the regular cells. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People are not aware of that. Medical oncologists are not aware of that. and And they're not putting people on protocols to do that. I just feel like people do need to realize that it's not these two separate worlds that can't coexist, that they do work together and they work together very well. You just have to be able to seek out the functional medicine because your oncologist is not going to say, so how's your functional medicine doctor or what are they there? Those worlds do not even collide. Not Um, that, but you may get some pushback, right? Because most oncologists have are not educated in the ways of functional medicine many of them do not believe in it and you know i battle every single day because i'll have a surgeon or a medical oncologist say to my patient whatever you do don't lose weight which is horrible advice or you know you can eat ice cream and the nutritionists are giving them boost in the chemotherapy yes. I mean, like things that that are unimaginable to my educated self. And I think even, you know, to my pre-2015 self, I I still knew that Mm -hmm. Insure weren't good for anyone. We're not going to be, I mean, yeah, a lot of patients, they just get wrapped up in, oh my gosh, I have cancer. So now let me just change my entire life instead of realizing that it's a gradual change. Like you can do small things every day to get you where you need to be instead of just overhauling your whole life. Without question that that is true. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I work the way I work. So I work programmatically with people where they're not coming to me for one visit and, you know, I'm not giving them one plan and telling them to go off on their way and good luck. Mm -hmm. Because everyone would fail. So I work with people over an eight to 12 month period so that we are making small achievable changes. And by 
year, you know, things look very different in their life. Mm-hmm. I love that you, you talk a lot about this um, on Instagram is treatment plan versus health plan. Yeah. Um, I think that people need to understand what the differences in those are and how that plays a huge part in, in getting through a cancer diagnosis, but also coming out the other side and then living a healthy life. Yeah. So it's just really a shift of focus, right? Because a treatment plan focuses on the disease. For the most part, in a, in a universal sense, what you focus on grows. Mm-hmm. So from a functional medicine perspective, I don't want to focus on the disease. The disease mm-hmm. I know will go away with driving health. So mm-hmm. my, my approach to all of my patients is here are the things that I know drive health. Mm-hmm. Where should we start? And let's get these pillars of health in place. And again, by the end of the year, they look very different. And so my focus is always on driving health. And that health is not the absence of disease. Whereas your medical oncologist would consider it a success if after treatment, the tumor is gone. But on the other side, we know that that is not health at all. Mm-hmm. You know, that means that you may have diminished the, the tumor cell population to the point where you can't see it anymore on, on um, imaging. But mm-hmm. you ask that person if they feel well and what's their answer? Yeah. If it's awful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, creating health is, is far more than the absence of disease. Though this is a tough pill to swallow, for lack of a, for, you know, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um, but cancer doesn't make you sick. Cancer comes from sickness. And right. there is an adaptation. It is a result of the chemistry in the body changing from one of health to one of sickness. Mm-hmm. And in that environment, your cells just morph, they change, they mutate to be able mm-hmm. to survive. That's what a cancer cell is. It's a mutation. Yep. And yep. so the, the, the work, the healing, the process is about creating the, the chemistry of health, creating the chemistry of joy and driving all of those processes. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's really about a different focus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially in the, in the world that we're living in right now in 2020 and everybody is, um, I think people are really starting to focus a lot more on health and individual health. Um, you know, everything, I, I, I don't think that social distancing is, is helping anyone. Like you need to create joy and happiness and relationships in your life. I think that that is also something that creates an overall health, um, or healthy lifestyle. But I think people are really starting to dive in individually and think and reassess 
am I going to be one of those people that if I get COVID, am, am I going to have an underlying health condition that, you know, I, I may or may not know about, or there's something that I was ignoring because my signs for cancer were ignored for almost over a year. There was definitely something wrong, but nobody was digging a little deeper. And I didn't even know to tell someone to dig a little deeper. I just thought, you know, my blood work is fine. Um, and everyone says that I'm healthy. So if, if these are what the doctors are telling me, then clearly I must be healthy. And the symptoms that I'm having, I had, I had gotten to the point where I thought I've manifested these symptoms. I'm just crazy because I don't look sick on the outside. No, everybody else is like, you are, you are just healthy as can be. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't, I'm not sure if that's true. But I think people now are starting to think like, oh my gosh, do I have an underlying health condition? Do I, um, am I susceptible to these things? And what's some advice that you would give people that, that are now looking at their life and thinking, I, I need a health plan, but I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when COVID, um, broke and we started to quarantine in this, in this country, Mm -hmm. I, I started to talk very early about we have far more control than we think. Mm-hmm. And um, when you when you focus on a vaccine or wearing a mask or social distancing, you're missing the point. Right. Because again, disease doesn't happen in a healthy body because mm-hmm. you're, if your immune system is doing what it's supposed to be doing, then this virus is just another blip on the screen. It right. would never have the impact that it's having had we not been so unhealthy as a society. Yes. And in general, you know, for the person that's that's looking to to take their health into their own hands and mm-hmm. get started, if you will, mm-hmm. just you just have to think think about logically like what are the what are the pillars of health what are the things that we know drive health and mm-hmm. that's you know eating real food yeah you, people go through life eating so much processed food yep. so you know you can start by if it grew in the ground fell from a tree walked swam or flew you can eat it yes Right. And everything else is not for you. Yeah. Not for human consumption. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, real food doesn't have a label. Real food doesn't come from a plant. Real food is real food. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's one thing. And and we all know that sedentary lifestyles are very dangerous. Sitting is the new smoking. Right. so, you know, get up and move around as mm-hmm. often as you can. Very hard for people who sit behind a desk. But I say, like, if you're sitting behind a desk for eight hours every day, that means that every 45 minutes you're getting up and out and walking for 15. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just, you have to do it for you and your health. Right. You to sleep at night. There's just, there's just no two ways about it. There's no health without sleep. You have to sleep at mm-hmm. night. Yeah. And if you and you can't do it with pills or drugs or booze or you just have to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And 
However, you need to establish a sleep hygiene, you need to establish a sleep hygiene. Because people who are short sleepers, people who sleep less than six to seven hours a night, they, they're at risk for all the chronic diseases, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, all of it. Yeah. So, yep, I can I can attest to that because I I think as a mom and a mom of four and being very young, um, I used to just pride myself on being able to just function very well with very little sleep. I, you know, I used to just think like, Oh, I don't need that much sleep. And, and, and I wholeheartedly believe, and my husband said this from day one was just, he's like your insomnia and your lack of sleep. And this, I've been this way my, my whole life until getting diagnosed with cancer. Um, was just like, I never, there wasn't a night that I got six hours of sleep. There was not one night, but nobody, you know, I just, I didn't really talk about that. I didn't say that probably the only person that knew was my husband. Um, because I was like, Oh no, I ever asked you no one. Right. And the only, and the only time that, that people really have conversations about sleep with their physicians are spouses complain that the, that the other one snores. Mm Mm-hmm. So that that person gets a sleep study mm-hmm. or you tell your doctor you can't sleep. There's no conversation as to why. And you're given a prescription for a sleep. Yes. Med. Yep. Yeah. So, and you know, sleep is when we do our healing and our repair mm-hmm. and our bodies are making mistakes every single day. Every single day, everyone of every age is creating cancer cells. And the time when, like, the surveillance team is going out and figuring out what's good, what's bad, what can be fixed, what can't be fixed, what needs to be gotten rid of, that all happens when you sleep. So Mm -hmm. if you're not sleeping, guess what? Your body makes cancer cells. It never gets a chance to correct that, and it just grows. Yeah. So, you know, people that come to me and... I'm a this and I'm a that and I do everything right. Do you sleep at night? No, I don't sleep at night, but I don't need sleep. I have plenty of energy. Well, <laughs> guess what? You need sleep, everyone. Yes. Needs. No one is the exception. No one is immune. Yep. Yes. And and I think that that is so important right now when we are also in this this entrepreneurial hustle culture of, you know, just work, work, work and but there's no time. There's no one saying, you know what? Yeah. Work, work, work. And then shut down. And you need, you need a minimum of, you know, what, seven hours of sleep, whatever it is for you. Everyone's different. Like, you know, I could do seven hours, but my husband is like, no, I need, I need that eight. Like I'm solid on when I get, I feel good on eight hours. So, I mean, it's really not being in this, this rat race, um, I don't think people understand and everybody just thinks their health is that they're invincible that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm young and I'm healthy, or I know that I'm healthy, but anything can happen at any time. And all you have is your health. And that should be the primary focus yet. That's not always what we're talking about unless we're talking about, you know, a vaccine or putting on a mask or something else, but we're not getting to the root of also part of this culture, right? It's blame everyone else. It's, it's 
externalizing everything and not taking personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that vaccine, that mask, that all feeds into it's everyone else. And not me. Their problem and not mine. And yes. I have ownership here. And yes. so, you know, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, like I don't fear, fear the virus. I spend I, every day taking the very best care of myself that I can. And like, if I get that virus and it gets me, then there's a higher power going on. Mm -hmm. And so I do not, I do not fear the virus. Um, and I actually, it, it, it bothers me that we're, that as a society, we're putting all of our hopes in a vaccine and that's going to somehow save us. And we are again, shirking our personal responsibility. Yes. Because our personal responsibility shouldn't be to make a pharmaceutical company even richer. The answer is not in another drug. Mm -hmm. it's another prescription. It's not in another pharmaceutical or another procedure. The answer is in us. And mm -hmm. that's so empowering to people. And I understand it's scary, but it should be empowering. The answer yes. is in all of us. Yep. Yep. And, and it is, it is very overwhelming and it's very scary when you realize that you are responsible. You, you can't say that somebody else is responsible. Nobody is force feeding you anything. You can make these changes in your own life that will benefit you. Um, and it also is, it's scary and overwhelming to have to kind of relearn everything we have learned about food. You know, when you're taught about food and the food pyramid, when you're little and the things that you eat at school or just whatever it is, the marketing, um, you know, to fast food, to kids and everything. Um, it's hard to then sit there and relearn all of that. You can do this on your own. You just have to be willing to change your mindset and relearn what health means for you. Yep. That's exactly right. Now, unfortunately, in many cases, it's going to ask you or force you to leave your tribe. Mm -hmm. Because we are all the um, the average of the five people that we're closest with. Yes. And if you're in an unhealthy tribe, you're going to have to leave the tribe. Yes. Or, or take them with you. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think that that, I think that that, that is so important because I feel like that was me when I switched to clean beauty. Um, and when I really start, when I opened an entire store talking about these things, a lot of my friends and family were like, she's really gone off the deep end. Like she's now, she's talking about things in her lotion. Like they really thought that I I was crazy that I was, I was talking about these things that I was bringing up studies that I was spending time researching, that I was going back to school to learn more about skin and how this, our largest organ actually functions. Um, people were confused and even friends were, you know, like, Oh, well, don't, don't talk about that in front of her because you know, she's just going to tell you why it's bad or everything's bad. And, and it's not about that. It's not about something being good or bad or demonizing one thing over another. It's, it's, it's about looking at just 
the effects of these. We know these things. If 90% of breast cancer is environmentally caused, then we have to change the conversation and stop saying that for one, it's an old woman's disease because it's not that we only need to be talking about this when we get our first mammogram. That's not it. Um, and that it's all, we need to stop asking women, is there breast cancer in your family? Because that's not always the case. But if we take cancer out of it, let's just talk about health as a whole. Um, you know, I think it's, it is changing the conversation in a lot of ways. And I think that makes people very uncomfortable. Well, again, it comes back to personal responsibility. And, you know, I would just say that there may have been a time when the conversation about um, family history was more appropriate. Mm -hmm. That still goes back to shirking the responsibility, right? Like this is, it's inevitable. It would have happened Mm -hmm. at genetics. And understand that they can control their genetics. But, you know, our the the environment that we're living in right now is so mm-hmm. vastly different than even 20 years ago and vastly different from 20 years before then and our right. top level has has grown to such an extent that you know of course we're seeing more breast cancers but we're also seeing a tremendous amount of infertility yes and yes. you know so we we are living in a sea of estrogen Mm-hmm. And we're, we are slaves to an industry that cares none about the health of its consumers. Right. And so, you know, it's grassroots people like you who are who, you know, need to make your voice really, really loud mm-hmm. and I'm trying to make my voice really, really loud yes. and be met with a lot of criticism. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You just have to stand tall and proud and yep. you're doing the right thing. And not only are you doing it for you, but you're doing it for your community, your society, because it's the right thing to do. And because they're, they're just not ready to hear it yet, mm-hmm. and they're not living in a time of personal responsibility, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do the right thing. Right. And so I, I hope that you keep shining your light. I'm going to keep shining my light, and I hope that the message gets heard by more and more people because we have way more control than we think. Absolutely. I mean, oh, thank you so much. I, I, I honestly cannot thank you enough for coming on. And I think that this podcast, this episode is going to open so many people's eyes. It's not just about seeking out functional medicine, but like you said, personal responsibility, taking a look at your health plan. If so many breast cancer survivors or breast cancer patients that find this podcast um, really sit there and look and think about the treatment plan versus the health overall health plan. Um, so can you tell people where they can find you to find out more information? Instagram for me is huge to following you, um, all of the information you put out there, but where can other people find you? 
Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. That's a great place to get to know me and to connect with me. And it's Dr. D-R Jen, J-E-N-N Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S. Um, you can also follow my practice at Real Health MD, R-E-A-L-H-E-A-L-T-H-M-D.com. Um, and so you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, um, even LinkedIn at all of those places, Dr. Jen Simmons or Real Health MD. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to my website, realhealthmd.com, you can learn all about my practice. You can read my blog. And if you feel like we should have a discussion and talk about the possibility of working together, there's a place to apply for a free discovery call where I can learn more about you. You can learn more about me and functional medicine, and we can see if it makes sense to work together. That is amazing. And I, I genuinely hope that so many people take advantage of, of that right there, because I think that you are are there to really help people and change people's lives. And I, I'm just so grateful that you're doing what you're doing, speaking out, um, and just being a resource resource for so many. So thank you again for being on the podcast. And I'm, I'm excited for people to get to know more about you and your practice. Me too. Thank you so much for having me.